0: We have already been here talking for almost an hour. No, about yeah. an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, Pretty much. Yeah. Our pre- pre-show meetings are delightful.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, <laughs> if I didn't enjoy talking to you so much, Adrienne, yes. God damn it. Can you be less charming and interesting?
1: I will <laughs> Please. be my darndest. <laughs> oh, 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 it's a race. It's a race. Boom. Oh, didn't copy all the words how unfriendly whoops of the that's computer all right this is the one these are the noises that we make when we try to push buttons and be engaging in the share same now way. it has been shared to my timeline i kind okay. of should make guitar tuning noises with my mouth cuz that's what this feels like
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> ding ding ding
0: <gasps> okay we're here you want to start yeah okay what, help no.
1: Oh, the start. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Wait, wait for it. My carpet moved. <laughs> <laughs> My jar got stuck. We're, on
0: we're terrible at this. Okay, you ready? Okay. You want to do it or me? Oh. This is like Dang the beginning.
1: It. Oh, I was, thinking, I was just going to go.
0: You were going to go. Then I was going to go. You go. All right. You, oh,
1: you me? Okay. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Wait, he'll just keep calling me. He'll just keep calling me. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. He'll just... He'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. What, what?
0: I don't get the reference what this from. It's
1: from Ferris Bueller. It's Cameron. Oh, that's He's right. Trying to stay home. <laughs> when Cameron was in Egypt land, let my Cameron go. Hi, everyone. I am Adrienne Gunn. And I'm here with my friend,
0: Nicholas Rave.
1: Yeah, we are the Enlightened Couch Potato Show.
0: Here in this podcast, we discuss all of the ways that you can watch movies and TV for maximum spiritual and psychological development.
1: Nice. Nice. I love, maybe our uh, editor will help us keep that moment in. I am one of those people who is fond of remembering lines that nobody knows of from movies. That mm. is a weird skill I have. And there's not enough mommy in the world to further a cause like yours.
0: <laughs> Wait, I don't know that one either. You're good Which at this. is one
1: of those, right? Okay, great. So we took time off we took a week off uh Mm
0: -hmm. i got injured this is the first time i have been standing at this desk in about a week and a half yes i have been off my feet you want to hear about it
1: i am excited and terrified to hear. it's
0: horrible so for those of you who might have a sensitive stomach uh trigger warning I guess. Yeah. So skip ahead and find the point when we're when her face isn't like cringing this anymore. Okay, and then you'll okay. know.
1: I'm glad it helped.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah, so I accidentally ripped off one of my toenails. Uh yeah, so I was um in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was parked in a parking lot. I had just come out of Target and I was wearing sandals. So I got into the car. It's a little Prius and it has a foot brake. You know, the ones you push down and and it goes click, 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 click. And there's like a spring in it. Right. So that when you push it down again, it snaps back up. Right. So I pushed down with my foot in sandals very hard and I like pushed down on it and it slipped off the top of the sandal. And then with the force of me pushing down and the spring coming back up, it caught one of my toenails and just pulled it straight up that direction. And as bad as you would imagine that it hurt, it did. There's a reason why this was a favored medieval torture method. But here's the thing. What I found really surprising is that, It didn't just hurt. (laughs) It also had this really, I think the word is squidgy or squick. It has this like, uh, like I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to touch it. I was like, Oh, huh. and like i have a pretty high pain tolerance like you know i i asked for pictures of my cancer surgery because yes. i wanted to see my leg when it was laid open like a purse yeah. um i wanted to see those pictures and this messed with my head like when oh my, my toenail was there and like my <laughs> your whole shoe got it was sandal was like full of blood <laughs> So, uh, so I went home and I'm just like, oh my God. And it wasn't quite off. And so <laughs> I couldn't get it all the way off. I kept trying and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. So I just sort of laid it back down and I'm like, maybe it'll fall off. So then two days later, you asked for this. <laughs> you said you wanted me to tell this story. No, it's on better the this podcast. way. Okay.
1: No, it's, It's awesome. I'm so okay. bad.
0: So I laid it back down and two days later it was hurting so bad. I could barely walk. So I went to the emergency room in the middle of freaking COVID and all this stuff. And they looked at it and they were like, they, it, like the guy who was taking my name when I came in the front door, looked at it and was like, Oh yeah, that, that's going to have to come off. <laughs> so they took me back in. It didn't take too long. I was there maybe an hour, hour and a half. They gave me some shots. Um, and then when they actually took it off, I didn't feel anything at all. It was fine. So I asked them, like, okay, cool. This isn't so bad. The shots were a little uncomfortable, but not <laughs> that, not as bad as the toenail in the first place. Yeah. So I was like, it, "Should I, are you going to give me any painkillers for this or anything? And they were like, no, you shouldn't. Just take some ibuprofen when you get home. It'll be fine. So I go home. And about an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes later, the pain, the shots started wearing off Mm -hmm. and it, they lied. (laughs) (laughs) It hurt so bad. It felt like for about six hours after the shots wore off, like my toenail was being removed nonstop for six plus hours and it only gradually wore off after that fortunately we were able to call the hospital back up and be like I need a prescription for real painkillers right now please and so (laughs) they gave me some good stuff and that helped with the next day and a half or so where it was just hurting all the time like it (laughs) never stopped (laughs) and then after about a day and a half it only hurt when I stood on it yeah. And then it hurt pretty consistently when I stood on it for more than about a minute uh until a couple days ago. So, uh now uh it doesn't hurt too much. It's it's pretty okay and it looks pretty gross and uh apparently it takes 6 to 18 months to regrow a toenail.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've had some toe nail injuries in the past that almost took 2 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's one silver lining to this mm. that I'm un- – unfortunately, they sort of sh- like uh, blew up my bubble, <laughs> uh, uh, rained on my parade. So that toenail, uh-huh. I dropped a 45-pound a weight plate on it at the gym about 10 years ago. Wow. And it has had – like I think it's a fungal infection, right? The little black oh. – yeah, spot on it. That toenail got messed up after that injury and it has n- it had never recovered. So of all the toenails I could lose, right? That one was already kind of messed up and I immediately thought, "Hey, well, now that the toenail's gone, I'm sure that infection will go away." So the freaking Doctor who came in and took the toenail off was like, oh, yeah, no, that actually grows in the cuticle and it probably won't go away when your toenail grows back. It'll probably still be there two years from now. And they said the only stuff you can do to get rid of that infection is so bad for your liver that they have to do like weekly checks, blood tests to make sure it's not killing you. And it's not even that effective. So you can't get rid of that shit. Like, there's nothing you can do, apparently. So I'm still f- fingers crossed or, or toes crossed that um, that it will go away anyway, just because yeah. it got some air and, like, uh, I don't know, hopefully. Oh, my God. I'm rubbing a lot of antibacterial stuff on it right now.
1: That, yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> I, I get teased a lot that I don't, so... I'm very protective like I have like a very active physical kid and as a as a teenager and young person I stopped wearing sandals and I always wear shoes or boots and they get teased about that in the summer but I'm just like I want to be ready to climb anything run away kick a truck at all times and also from all of my, like, soccer stubbing, like, flip, I hate the sounds of flip-flops, I hate the way that the, the stuff feels in my toes, I won't fucking do it. I, toe socks, you know those ones that, like, separate, <laughs> um, yeah, all of the pains of stubbed toes and stuff like that, I, when I realized that I was an adult and could make my own decisions about the fucking shoes I was wearing, I'm like, no, no way, my feet are amazing, and they do rad things for me, and I'm gonna protect them, I don't care what fashion is doing, young fuck yourself, uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I
0: go barefoot everywhere I can. Like, I'll walk into Whole Foods barefoot on a semi-regular basis just because I like going barefoot. I'm a, I'm a, a barefoot country hippie child at heart. <laughs> um, I went hiking in Joshua Tree uh-huh. for, like, a weekend and barefoot hiked the entire time. And now, in hindsight, I actually am like, that was a really dumb move. But not because of, like, rocks and things like that. It was fine. It's because there's freaking scorpions there, man. Like, that's why you don't go around barefoot in Joshua Tree.
1: Scorpions. So, that was a
0: dumb move on my part. Yeah. And (laughs) at the same time, like, I go barefoot all the time. And I almost never have any problems or injuries or anything. And this was a fluke
1: <laughs> yeah this reminds me of uh the the scene in kill bill which combined two of my most squeamish things at the time what you're talking about the eyeballs eyeballs yes Hand eyeballs eyeballs are squeamish enough anyway but when you combine eyeballs and feet together i was like <laughs>
0: that scene is so good like i mean that those movies those are my favorite quentin tarantino movies by far i like tarantino a lot almost all of his movies are are masterpieces and really interesting and entertaining Mm -hmm. but kill bill is my favorite like both of them part one part two they're so much fun to watch and Mm -hmm. that scene is so freaking visceral i mean that's true about a lot of stuff in that movie like um the 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 scene where she climbs out of the grave or out of the coffin, like obviously it's so unrealistic. And there's lots of unrealistic stuff in that movie, but it's so satisfying and just,
1: (laughs) oh God, I love that movie. Yeah. If you're going to go there, you got to make it as visceral as possible for people. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's been a lot of shows, potentially, or movies that we've watched.
0: Yeah. You uh, you want to go first <laughs> since I just talked for 10 minutes about my freaking toe?
1: <laughs> sure. What have I done? So I... So somebody was posting the other day that they love the movie called The Way Way Back. And I hadn't heard of it before. And I, I, like, I looked it up. It looked like an indie flick. Um, and... I gave a promise to that person that I would watch it and then talk about it here today. So I watched it last night. Uh, way, way back. Who's in it? Steve Carell is in it. Uh, the guy that wrote it. There's a, the, 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 the team that wrote the movie is actually in the movie. I should look it up because it's the gentleman. Uh, he's the funny guy with the teeth that are crooked. <laughs> it's not Steve Buscemi, but it's. Uh, That's the first person I was going to say. It's the other guy who's almost good-looking. Sam Rockwell is in it. He's amazing. Let's see. Who wrote it? Tony Collette's in it. Tony Collette is in it. Love Tony. Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. Uh, I think it's... Is it Nat Faxon is the one with the teeth? Yes. Yes. Anyway, so this is a coming-of-age story. A 14-year-old boy uh, goes to, I don't know, one of those... East Coast beach communities That people will go and they'll stay For the whole summer And he ends up wandering off and getting a job At this water park Where Sam Rockwell Becomes this like Rad father figure dude to this, to this kid Because Steve Carell is the Like stepdad Or trying to be the stepdad and Steve Carell is beautifully tan in this movie Sexy, almost sexy Sexy-ish which is weird <laughs> <laughs> for Steve. Also, kind of, kind of an ass. Mm. In an understandable, I've met this guy several times over kind of way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, Steve Carell is a such a good actor. So his ability to go from being like totally likable and uh, like relatable character to yeah. being an asshole like that doesn't shock me at all. Yeah.
1: Well, and he's not so clearly. He's just got stuff he's working through, but he's playing. He's he's playing. He does it well. He does it well. I
0: love Sam Rockwell too, by the way. God. I love him.
1: So good in this. I nearly yeah. what when I was when I was fifteen, I worked at a uh, snack bar of a roller skating rink, and then outside of the roller sk- skater rink was this amusement park, and I started writing a, a carny story, like an amusement park. Like, employee over yeah. the summer, like, love story uh, has maybe I did it while I was working there. So it may have been 15 or 16. I may have done that two summers. I started writing this story. And so, watching this movie reminded me of like some of my very favorite movies, or maybe all of my favorite movies are coming of age stories, whether the person's 47 or not, mm. or 14, you know? Like, there's all some sort of like coming of a new age of like growing up.
0: Yeah, I suppose that it, that from a Joseph Campbell perspective, that's most movies or most yeah. stories are yeah. a kind of coming of age.
1: But some of my super favorite ones are the like the young boy figuring out how to grow into himself and his yeah. confidence and his personality and, and sort of shine. And it reminds me of Stealing Home, which is one of my favorite movies. It's one of those. I mean, there are tons of like. Adolescence growing up stories
0: you know another parallel between our our random ass weird background, yeah, I worked at a theme park myself did I tell have oh. I told you this
1: hey. I, I don't think you did no
0: I worked at a theme park that nobody in the world has heard of, but everyone in Utah has heard of it's called Lagoon theme park i don't even know if it's there anymore, but it was around for a long time, huh and um I got hired to be part of the, they had a, they had shows. It was like a, like there I think there was a water park, but uh-huh. then it was like roller coasters and stuff. And they had like, like a, a pop music show where it was like four dudes dancing and singing contemporary music. And then yeah. they had like a show tunes show. They had a 1960s show. Then they had a big Halloween bash where everybody came together and did different shows and yeah. good professional like young singer, dancer actor types, totally, and uh, most of them were young, and I was in one of the shows, um, and then I did sound for the other <laughs> one. so that, most of the time that I was there, I was doing sound because I, I, uh, I didn't do very well in the audition. Um, but once I got there, I ended up getting to sing in, in some stuff, but nice.: uh, yeah, so um, Carney life. It's a weird thing, oh, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah, I love where they went with it. Because a lot of the movies that do the carney life, they go dark. They go very yeah. dark with it instead of just quirky.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think the like festival carny. Sh- Maybe I'll go purposely watch some of them or catch up on some of those movies because there's a bunch of different like amusement. What's park. the one?
0: There's one with um Jesse Eisenberg. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Typing the name.
0: I'm going to see if I can get there first.
1: Um... Whoa, it's a race. It's a race. I've said that twice.
0: Man, he's Adventureland.
1: Yeah, have I
0: watched it? Which is funny because it came out like the same year as Zombie Land, and they are very different movies. (laughs) Right.
1: That's weird. For some reason Adventureland is not coming up on this list I'm looking at.
0: Adventureland is Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and he he literally works at a like like uh carnival games place. I
1: think I have seen that one. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it fits the coming of age totally. uh model, but it it uh it definitely does the carny thing, so. Yeah. I carny offensive or like if if I identify maybe. as a carny, am I am I still not allowed to use that word?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, shoot. Yeah. And I don't know if it's different if you're like, I mean, there are different, different sects to like, like to be in the like theater troupe.
0: Right. If yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I didn't, didn't count. Like I might not have been like, maybe I'm not a real carny. But but wait, hold on. But before the shows started, <laughs> I got there like two weeks early. Yeah. Before the shows started, I worked on some of the rides.
1: Oh, you're so like, funny! Yeah, like ticket taking,
0: full on. Yep. Uh, it yep. was a go kart the... ride.
1: Uh, Let's vomit it, go kart. Good yeah.
0: for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the one other thing I will say that is particularly interesting about Lagoon is that um, there's theme parks, and then there's a theme park in freaking Utah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've I've always said about my time there is you don't understand what nine out of ten people in the Salt Lake area are Mormon means until you go there and you're sitting, taking, watching people get in lines and you can pick the one out of (laughs) ten out of the line and be like, clean-cut, well-dressed, khaki pants, look like a Gap ad. And then one of them is, like, spiky hair, spikes on their collar around their neck. And, like, they're like, I'm not Mormon, just to be clear. Like, they everybody
1: walks around.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, that I makes... had a lot of time to think for two yes. weeks while I was sitting there.
1: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Like, how do you viscerally and define, like definitively state. Yes,
0: like not for sure. Mormon. Yeah, Vis- well, my yeah. sister was the costume designer for all the shows, too. Yeah. And a number of the people who worked there were also in drag shows in Salt Lake. <laughs> and I remember I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I remember being, I was 15 when I worked there. 15, yeah. 16, I think, because I don't think I could drive. Um, and I remember getting to go to one of the drag shows yeah. in a gay club, that was like, you're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be in there. And like, that was the first time I ever got groped. (laughs) We're like walking through there and like, holy shit, I'm a piece of meat. (laughs) (laughs) It was super fun though. I got to hang out with all the drag queens backstage and like, it was Yeah,
1: that reminds me of uh, a very short-lived game that I used to play in 1999, 2000. When I would go to gay clubs uh, called um, Who's Touching My Butt. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, Which I don't I don't know. I haven't been to gay clubs in a very, very long time, maybe two decades. (laughs) decades—and
0: Who's Touching My Butt.
1: it's It's like there's so much that back in the day, back in the 90s the world was different than it is yeah. now. Uh, yeah. Some of the excitement about being in the club is like looking at people and touching people and maybe you're going to hook up and who's going to whatever and everybody smells nice and looks good and whatever. And so, but there are these places where you have to like squeeze past because right. going in different directions because buildings aren't necessarily made that well and there's only, you know, a couple places to be. So I would just sort of like grab butts just, just for like in any particular direction. I yeah. wasn't... It wasn't that discerning. The game was just to see, like secretly like pickpocketing, but but picking, no. Um <laughs> but pinching. <picking. laughs> but you just just like like be discreet and then like pop somebody in the butt or something and then watch people look at each other and then make, oh was it you? It's like, oh, and, and like see if it worked out or yep. see if they thought it was me or whatever the heck happened. It was my game called Who's Touching My Butt? <laughs> i think
0: i think a lot of people still play that game
1: i know like even it's, though it's
0: not the 90s anymore you and i don't go to those kind of clubs but i think they're still they do. You?
1: i don't know i should i guess i'll ask around it'll be a new thing to talk about
0: yeah i think there's a whole bunch of people who are like oh no that's why i go to the club
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll 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 send some signal messages mm-hmm. okay. this still happening. uh
0: all right M- my turn for a movie sure So I I have two uh, that popped into my head right away that I I could comment on. Yeah. I'm sorry that we keep coming back to Jim Carrey. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) I really don't try to do this to you. But. That's what I ended up watching. So technically, uh, there's actually two movies here. We watched. Uh, we watched. Faye and I finally sat down and watched the um, documentary, the the Andy and Me or or Me and Andy or whatever. And oh my god, the second time, I still love it. I, I still thought it was so profound. Um, and I uh, I got a lot more out of it the second time. And so did she. And she's going through a process right now of changing her name. Uh, And her birth name is Lindsay. And she's now changing her name to Faye. And it's intentionally about an identity change. Like, who am I? Who is Faye? Who is Lindsay? What am I doing here? And the movie is about this idea that if you pretended to be someone else... And you were so good at pretending to be that person. And you did it for a really long time such that you forgot the person who you were before. When you stop being that new person, who the fuck are you? Yep and that like I get you that from an acting perspective like the point is pretend like you don't have to do that and a lot of actors are like that's stupid like I get paid to show up and pretend to be this person not like make everybody call me that all the rest of the time I understand yeah. how dickish that can be and like yeah. that's part of what goes on in the movie is you can see his internal struggle that's what I found fascinating about mm-hmm. it is you can watch his internal struggle that he's like i don't know if i really want if i should be doing this but he kind of it's as if the muse grabbed him yeah and he was like i could fight this but i'm not going to i'm gonna go with it and to me it's more of a psychological experiment Mm -hmm. than it is a, a tour de force of acting that's not the point the point is he was trying to break his brain And he had the inspiration to do that. And that's what I find fascinating about it. Part of your argument before has been like, it's sort of like non-consensual seeming.
1: So to be clear, I like Jim Carrey and I like his movies. What I don't like is the way that people celebrate Many of his choices without specifically knowing what's going on. I don't like method acting. And he gets celebrated. A lot of people get celebrated for method acting. And I think that's non-consensual. Yeah. G- generally, when people... Look, I don't think I, he's and, ever done that except in that movie. No, I don't like think method that's the first acting. time. I don't think that's the first time. But he get like... When people are celebrated for method acting. Or when... Um, there are instances where he is triggered and doing things that I think cross a yeah. boundary and align. Right.
0: You've a talked about contextual. him personally. I get in, like, upset
1: stuff. with how people celebrate him without being open to the conversation about whether that's worth celebrating. I, I get upset with the culture around Jim Carrey and mm. not him specifically,
0: mm. uh, Well, I I guess, (laughs) I guess I feel like I'm kind of doing that, but maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm asking questions and I'm, I, maybe from your perspective, I am seeing it in a more balanced way. I don't know. I just see it as like, to me, it's like shooting somebody into space to find out what happens. And I look at him and I'm like, there's a lot to be learned from that. I'm not going to do that, but it's, it's amazing to be someone where, Everyone around you decides, okay, we're going to play this game together. Like, that's some weird-ass role-playing shit for nine months of making that movie. And, like, what does that do to a person? That's fascinating to me. So, anyway, that's not the movie I wanted to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So, we also (laughs) watched one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies, not one of his more popular ones. Uh, Cable Guy.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, Blast from the Past because Faye had never seen it. Damn. So Ben Stiller directed that movie. Not a lot of people know
1: that. He's a great director.
0: He had a cameo as the the twins, the child celebrity twins who one of them murders the other one. (laughs) And then that story is kind of running in the background. See, the thing that I find so interesting about that movie is... This was like post-mask and I think Ace Ventura. And he mm-hmm. wanted to do something that was not like what he'd done before. He's like, yeah. I got to reinvent at this point. And so he plays this villain. But what's so interesting, and this, this was my takeaway, is I did not realize when I was a kid, I loved that movie. I saw yeah. that movie when it first came out. And a lot of people didn't like it because they were expecting Ace Ventura or whatever. Sure, and so. I was like, this movie is dark and funny and I there were so many lines that Jim Carrey had that I would quote to my friends I loved that movie and I did not realize until I just watched it that the reason I think I loved that movie so much is because I identified so much with Jim Carrey's character where he's like this right on the edge of so nuts that no one would ever tolerate him yeah but he like the whole premise is that spoilers that he was raised by tv and he doesn't know how to person he doesn't know how to be a friend he doesn't know how to communicate he's like super awkward and he only speaks in catchphrases and like uh, it, this I identified so strongly with that, having grown up homeschooled on yeah. a freaking Christmas tree farm in the middle of nowhere. Like, I had social anxiety going up to the, f- to the fast food counter and asking for a packet of ketchup. Like, right. I would freak out. I didn't know it across the street until I was, like, in my teens or whatever. I'd seen it in movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was a country boy. And, like, learning how to be a normal person. I yes. still don't feel like I am at all. Yeah, I just feel like I've learned how to be more congruent and comfortable with me, which I think is really the like path anyway. But yes. I, I did not realize this is the that value of rewatching stuff that you used to love, right? Mm-hmm. Why did I like it? Because I felt that nuts. I felt like I was that guy who's like, I'm trying to be your friend, but I keep doing stuff that's like way too much or like getting offended by the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing it's over the top his performance is over the top because it's freaking jim carrey i mean he doesn't always do that but he can yeah um but to me it it's very authentic Mm -hmm. like you watch it and you're like oh that's that's almost a real person <laughs> just saying something for like, like Ace Ventura is not a real person, obviously yeah. like that's a character over the top.
1: That's like the extreme. It's the shadow version of the Rosie O'Donnell. Like back in 95, Rosie O'Donnell gets this talk show and she like us watched a fuck ton of television. And so how she was relating with everybody was about all these like TV shows she'd memorized and watched. And she was just raised by television Oh, I guess some people might have seen Rosie as just probably as crazy as Jim Carrey's character in that movie. but
0: mm. This was in like a, a, a reality show or a talk show? That she oh, you, you,
1: didn't, you, didn't, you didn't scan these channels. Okay, nope. Rosie O'Donnell, for maybe four years, had a daytime talk show. Like, the amount of fun that Ellen DeGeneres is having now is her on her daytime, Rosie O'Donnell did that back in the 80s. Really? She had a show, and she had— That's uh, how she got her start. Well, she was a comedian first. She was a right, stand-up right. comedian she been- No, but I mean
0: that's how she like broke through. Like
1: Yeah, she was I don't know. Was she is was she as popular as Oprah? Was she right before Oprah? Something. Something. Yeah. It was a big fucking deal. The
0: Rosie O'Donnell show. I do remember the show. I just don't think I ever saw it.
1: Yeah. Obsessively like like TV trivia, knew everything. Knows everything about all the actors and p- people who would come play with her on hmm. the show and that sort of thing. And so uh it was kind of cool because she got to actually use all of those tools, and I got really excited about that. I was like, I've seen a bunch of fucking TV. Maybe I can – I don't – again, sadly, I remember the hey, lines that no one – you're
0: doing knows. it right now, Adrienne. What? This is it. This is what you've been preparing for with all that TV and stuff. <laughs> it's whole finally life. here.
1: I have been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> this day has yeah. finally come. Oh,
0: so I have been preparing for this.
1: <laughs> Over the uh,
0: Yeah, so uh, Cable Guy, that was my movie. <laughs> That's awesome. And my, and my insight about it was uh, about, like, a much greater degree of compassion for myself and for mm. that character. Because when I watched it as a kid, I didn't get that. I just was like, oh, he's just being funny. And like, oh, isn't that funny? But now watching it, I'm like, oh, there's like, a, there's a, a, a sympathetic character in there. And yeah. um I think that's deep down why I liked the movie so much.
1: I don't think we give enough credit in our culture for how hard it is to people. Mm. Most of my favorite m- movies are the indie flicks where there's the awkward. I mean this one I watched The Way Way Back. This kid did not know how to people either. Right. You ha- like we learn it. And yeah. some of us learn in early adulthood how to people uh, I remember when I was little. If I really liked somebody, I probably would I choked them.
0: <laughs> yeah, Calvin and Hobbes was a really big deal to me growing up, yeah. and I identified extremely deeply with Calvin as well, who definitely felt like someone who was like in his own world.
1: Yeah, his friend's <clears throat> with a stuffed dog. I mean, yeah. real a real dog, a real a totally real dog. that
0: tiger. It's a tiger.
1: Tiger. Tiger.
0: Yeah, That's Hobbes a is a tiger well shoot (laughs) i don't know who you're thinking of but calvin and i hides a a tiger
1: that hides himself as a stuffed thing when people are around
0: yeah are you thinking of snoopy
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i just uh i guess it looks like a cat face in my head when i look back like long long, i don't know why i thought it was a dog cool tigers are fun (laughs) Your turn? Yeah, yeah. Uh you got a second thing to talk about? I w so I started watching Watchmen. We can talk about that different later. I went back and watched uh the Netflix remake of Amistad Maupin's Tales of the City. And I think I'll talk about that a different time. But it reminded I don't know anything
0: me... about that, so
1: Yeah. Uh it's um
0: I've never even heard of that.
1: I think it's a I think it's a book book that got turned into a BBC series. Oh. That then only had one season, but then became more books, and then became another like a another limited run in the U.S. and then came back like twenty some odd years later. It's um, about this house on like what is it, Barbary Street in San Francisco, where a trans woman is sort of the like runs this house and a bunch. And of- this
0: is what it was about twenty years ago on the BBC.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was like a BBC first...
0: show about being in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, so they're gay, huh. gay characters and lots of sex and things, and it was like really uh, controversial. And I think that's why they only had one season. And then the book. I
0: kind of love that. I mean, not yeah. only the content, like the subject matter, but the idea of like a BBC show portraying like American life.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, it's, and it's and it's about the adopted family. It's kind yeah. of kind of a big deal i remember reading the book forever ago maybe i was in high school and watching the first season on vhs at my friend's mom's place when i was visiting for like a week in alaska like (laughs) these were these were like back in the times when it was the 90s and if you were gay or gay adjacent uh you there were like lists of books to read and you've like 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 Secret newspapers and like yeah. everybody did the thing, and you just like you had to find it and search it. And so, so yeah. catching up on this stuff at someone else's house on a vacation was like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I revisited that and remembered that Laura Linney exists and she's amazing. And then I remembered that I had not finished The Big C, which was her Showtime show where her character gets has cancer, yeah, uh, and is terminal has terminal cancer. And what's really Interesting, interesting, strange for me is um, I kept kept watching this and it's funny. It's one of those shows where it's sort of train wreck. It's train wreck. It's kind of fun to watch people make desperate decisions and try new things and live like they're dying, you know, because they're dying. And I think I watched this before my friend had breast cancer.
0: Mm.
1: But what was eerie about it was that I was – I had the feeling in this friendship that this friend was – she did too. Her mother died of breast cancer. So she already had this like other shoe waiting for the other shoe to drop and lived as though she was going to get breast cancer and die. Mm. And I think I picked up on that somehow even before she told me about it. So I'm watching this Mm. show and I decided, I think, to stop watching it because I – Somewhere in my body, I was like, if I keep watching this, my friend's going to get sick. So I stopped watching it. A couple years later, my friend gets sick. And then I totally forgot, oh, hey, there was this show. So as I'm watching it back now, i So I'm did in you this- start
0: from the beginning again? I did. Yeah.
1: There's this, like, time warp of, like, did I start this before or after? Oh, shit, before. But also, it felt like watching it was in the middle of my friend's story because I yeah. just – energetic click well they could
0: they would it'd be impossible to separate them after that like you started it and then that happened and now you're finishing it so it's like it's like a sandwich
1: (laughs) so as i was watching it this time having been through my friend getting the six months to live diagnosis and all of the things that she did in that time and and uh Some of the way that the cancer spread in the story was some of the same for her. It was like I was getting shivers and revisits and curiosities, like on my couch, going. So energy just it doesn't ever. So maybe, are you watching this? Is this what like like like? Are you around? Is this like am I? This is crazy, but. that's funny right you find that funny too like i don't know i was having this it's
0: an added (laughs) layer of magic on top of the stuff that we already do
1: yeah like
0: like, maybe i'm watching this with her
1: right and i was just like so my cat i'm always sometimes talking to another person in the room like ha did you see that kitty bam that just (laughs) fucking happened uh but then here i am reliving some of the stuff crying it out uh i think it's almost five five years since she passed, um, it's a beautiful show. It's a mm. really fucking good show. Laura Linney is amazing.
0: Oh my god, Laura Linney's one of my favorites.
1: And it's really actually nice. It's not that I don't still grieve and have like r- things come up and miss my friend, but at this point, I've I know that I, I will survive it. The grief. And her not being here, I have this sense. So to drop in and be with an experience where I could, like, watch this story unfold and be in it, but also sort of celebrate this crazy fucking cellular adventure that people have. Holy crap. Um, and knowing that whatever I sob out during this experience, I know, I'm, I, know I can survive. I, I know that I will still be a human existing on the other end yeah. and um yeah dropping in dropping in on on cancer adventure from a new perspective was I don't want to just be trite and say healing <laughs> but it was like it was like it was like getting to hang out with my friend again hmm. um, because Laura Lenny is just as saucy and vulgar as as my friend hmm. and yeah so that was That was last week's adventure for me.
0: I don't think I have a good follow-up to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I've had cancer, so I I went on that journey myself. It wasn't breast cancer, um, and I didn't die from it, um, thankfully.
1: Have we talked on this show how you cancered wrong? (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't know. That was your, I made a Facebook video, since this is going out on Facebook, you can probably find it somewhere, um, oh. that was called You're Doing Cancer Wrong. I had I had been making these videos called My Epic Cancer Adventure, and then I was walking and I made this video where I was talking to the camera and I was like, so I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, <laughs> yeah, so that, that was Adrienne." Uh, who basically said you're doing cancer wrong. Like you're not supposed to be doing it this way. And it was a, I mean, the thing is Adrienne and I have a very good connection and like, she can say shit like that to me. And I know where it's coming from. I know that like she said it and she was sort of almost saying like, I I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because it's the easiest way to say what I'm feeling, (laughs) which is, Stop being so fucking positive and about cancer. everything while you have cancer. <laughs> Maybe you can clarify. That's yeah. what I remember <laughs> it being.
1: So prior, prior to you doing these daily Facebook Live videos, this has been Facebook Live was super new. Yeah. And we had been working some marketing stuff together. You're like, okay, I have cancer. Should I tell people about it? How do I update? I don't want it to be exhausting. I just want to do it all at once, like Band-Aids off. I was like, yeah, just just check in and do like daily or whenever you have the energy. Just do regular check-ins about your cancer. So so the, the beautiful thing about you, Nicholas, is that you really like life. <laughs> all of it. Um. <laughs> when you're like, "I have a high tolerance for pain, yeah, also, there's adventures, uh, like what is it? sureer stroming or whatever that like there's like, stroming <laughs> like like if there's something, I don't know, maybe you'd be climbing Everest. Like you want to figure out the most expansive human experience that you can have mm. in emotions and psychology. And pretty much cancer is one of the top on the list. Of, like, terrifying and awful things yeah. one must experience. And so I think on some level, awful became great, but it was just fascinating. But then but then you were actually having these mind-blowing, deeply, like, gratitude and gratifying experiences. And I'm just like, dude is happier than I've been, like ever and i kind of want to punch him in the face right now
0: (laughs) well the topic of the video that was called you're doing cancer wrong was about me going am i bypassing right now like i was i was honestly checking constantly because i was like i i thought this was supposed to suck like um i i it was a big validation for me, frankly, and thank you for saying all those kind words. Yeah. Um, it was a very validating experience to me to face what most people would call a real challenge. Like, I've had some difficulty in my life, but for the most part, I, I've been fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a pretty good life. I wasn't, like, horribly abused as a child. I'm, like, uh, I was never homeless, Um Um, I've had my fair amount of struggle and relationship issues and that kind of thing, but like nothing crazy. And then all of a sudden, like a cancer diagnosis and I'd spent my, almost my entire adult life working on training myself how to think and how to um, I I don't want to say, I don't believe in controlling your emotions. Mm -hmm. So more like, building a worldview and a model of working with emotions and wounds and trauma that I was like, I think this is a way that you can handle really difficult situations and get through them and make things better because of it. And Mm -hmm. that was a crazy validating experience. I did come out of it going, shit, I think this stuff works. I think the stuff that you and I try really hard to learn and install and share with the rest of the world. I think it works. Um, It wasn't easy. And I was honest about that as much as I could be, but it was also like, like even the moment when I got the diagnosis, I was, I was asking questions to the doctor And she was like, yeah, it's definitely cancer. And then she was like talking about it. And like, I was answering, asking questions and and she, at one point she kind of looked at me and she was like, you seem abnormally calm right now. (laughs) And I was like, well, when I think panicking will help, I'll give it a shot. (laughs) And she left. And then later that day, I called my sister and I told her what was going on. And that the day it happened, she said the same thing you did. She's like, no, you can't be fucking positive about this. Like what is stop it. And then maybe it wasn't that day. Maybe it was like a couple days later. But you weren't the first person to say, like, what the hell is wrong with you?
1: Yeah. Well, and it was it was just different to. Just should be like doing my day, getting through my own troubles and then be like, oh, I'm going to see how Nicholas is doing. Even if I just watch this video, I'm just going to show up and be supportive and ready to just I mean, how how can you nurture energetically watching a replay of a thing like dropping into just kind of like read like body relaxation so that if the wind blows into terror and then you're. (laughs) <laughs> then you're sharing, just like, oh, and this other thing, nah, whoa, and I'm just like, what, like, just so startling to where I'd asked my nervous system to get to. I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to get to joy from here <laughs> 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 and, be, and be in resonance there. I'm like, I was like, I just, what?
0: One of my biggest concerns throughout the whole thing was, am I repressing a bunch of shit that's going to give me cancer again later on (laughs) like (laughs) am i taking all this emotional trauma and i'm just going like oh i'm fine everything's fine i'm totally happy (laughs) but like i had to be as honest as i could be and i was like no i i'm actually um i think of it as alchemy i'm transmuting this experience from lead into gold Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: i think i was doing it successfully i guess yeah thanks for uh Opening the door for me to like toot my own horn there for a while.
1: <laughs> well, so I, I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll write the book and we're probably not going to start the podcast, but like you can utilize all kinds of things as tools of transformation. And yeah, and
0: have you seen 50 50 speaking of cancer films? Oh,
1: yeah, I love that movie.
0: I really liked that with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt and um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it made me think of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. But obviously, he had different. Kind of cancer and stuff but there was a I lot like of parallels watch
1: that when you had cancer
0: yeah maybe, maybe it i came think out
1: around the same time
0: i don't know if i did though i think i might not have yeah i think i was being pretty careful about input mm-hmm. um because like i i remember hearing um howard stern talk in an interview about how he had something i think it was cancer or something and he decided like he's his whole brand is about sharing Everything with his people, mm-hmm. and he said one of the only things that he never he did not say he didn't share that with anybody, and the reason is because he didn't. It wasn't because he didn't want to be vulnerable; is because he didn't want all that input. Oh because yeah! Everybody's going to have a goddamn opinion about it, and everybody's going to come in and be like, "This is what you should do." This is what. You, uh, so many people came back and were like, "Raw food, man, that'll cure it," and like. <sighs> Um, <laughs> and, and crazier things than that. Like I'm not even knocking raw food. Like I've been a raw foodist for a period of time in my life too. And I, I felt pretty healthy most of the time while I was doing that, but then I did get cancer later on and maybe cause I started eating meat again. I don't know. Um, but my, my point was more, I was pretty careful about my, I need to manage this thing myself. I need to be managing My thinking and like when my brain would go running off in a direction and I would it would happen semi regularly and they would get dark (laughs) and I'm like, that's all just me. I don't need other people being like, oh, he, you know what, what happened to my grandmother when she got cancer? I know they say 95%, like, but uh, in her case, she was in the 5%. So maybe you're going to be in the 5%. I'm like, ah, ah. So, um I don't think I watched 50-50 because of that.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I think
0: I watched it afterwards.
1: That falls in line with my philosophy that you you can take in what works for you, like in mm-hmm. part of like utilizing tools of television transformation movies and such you get to choose yeah what your input is yeah yeah <laughs> we're nearing end yeah I no i
0: got i got to run this is a this is a good time to wrap it up Wait. the only the other thing uh, maybe this is a stupid tag note to that but the only other thing i was going to say just to tie it all together is whenever i think of laura linney
1: yeah
0: i always think of truman Shove, speaking of jim carrey oh. um she was the love interest in that and she I remember one of my acting teachers saying like one of the hardest things to act is like layers of something like I'm this person acting like this person yeah and it's that's very challenging and so her character was that she was this fake wife I think they were married (laughs) like her and Truman but when you watch her in especially when things start to crumble she's so real like she has moments where she's like afraid of truman and yeah. she's like what is he gonna do and she's like trying to be happy at the t- same time when she's actually freaking out whenever i think of laura linney i mean i love ozark my wife and i've watched uh, that show quite a bit um but every time i think of laura linney i always think truman show and i she's so good in that yeah so fucking good
1: Fuck, that reminds me. I get to go watch the recent season of Ozark. Now that I'm just going to continue this Laurel Lenny path.
0: Oh, do it. Yeah, and watch Truman's show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. Uh-huh. All right. I think we're done.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks. All right, everybody
0: go TV deeply. TV deeply. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.